millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 140, we discuss Tottenham Hotspur launches on US TV, how TV ratings for USA against Mexico compared between FS1 and Univision, Fubo TV launches their own TV channel, why it should be easier to watch the Champions League in bars this season, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnair. Kartik, it's at this time of the week that usually uh, we're putting on new t-shirts. The t-shirts, the slogans on the t-shirts say, I survived the international break. Um, I I don't think it was that bad, but um, there weren't that many really uh, just eye-opening kind of... uh, incredible matches um the one i thought was uh, probably the most inter- entertaining i saw uh was was germany against netherlands uh, agree or disagree yeah i agree I, I completely agree on that and in fact uh um the thing that was frustrating about that match after germany got a really kind of a undeserved penalty um and then they were able to uh uh equalize 2-2 was that the dutch who were far superior in this match were, may may not have gotten the full three points but they then got uh two more goals uh the, the last one being on the counter uh just the, the, the brilliant movement that we've talked about this a lot with liverpool of Ginny vinaldum um in, in midfield and and how good uh, Memphis Depay and Ryan Babel, two players that a lot of English football fans probably mock mm-hmm. uh, for for their careers in England, uh, being integrated in this Ronald Koeman system. Now, over the last year, Babel has been very, very good for, for Holland, and, and he was, again, very good in this match. So, uh, also, a very good call from Adrian Healy and Taylor Twelman. Uh, one quick note, I don't think Healy and Twelman had been made aware that um, that um, uh, what am I losing my chain of con- uh, uh, DVR? Uh, no, uh, what uh, VAR right. wasn't uh, available in this match. Well, that's right. That, so, well, that's um, the thing, though, too, Kartik. And, and that's the thing with VAR, though, too. It just it, it, so many times these times. I mean, in this day and age that we're living in, we we kind of think that okay, yeah, VAR is going to be used for everything. But as we yeah. saw in this, there was no VAR for the for the qualifiers for any of the the uh, Euro twenty twenty qualifiers. So, so apparently the memo had gotten to Craig Burley. He was in the studio uh, saying, well, it was because they, they, they have to have an equal playing field. And if there's a match in San Marino or Andorra or some less equipped stadium, maybe so. Uh, actually, San Marino and Andorra might be able to do it. It's, it's the countries in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. that might have trouble with it. There was no VAR. Um, Healy and Twelman, very good. I mean, I'm always impressed by Taylor Twelman, how much he knows about European national teams, how much he knows about European club football, considering right now at ESPN, he's not calling any of that stuff, right? But knew uh, the, the, the Dutch team backward and forward, and, and the German team he knew well as well. Um, the one thing I um, they had not been prepped with was this uh, VAR thing. So Burley in the studio had to keep pointing out uh, there's no VAR for this match, but in the uh, uh, call of the game, Healy and Twelman uh, kept referring to VAR and quite and were quite confused that there was no look given to the to the penalty uh, and to some other very controversial calls in that match. Right. So um, hopefully the next set of qualifiers, not next set, but next uh, uh, that'll be World Cup qualifying for 22, uh, UEFA can get this figured out because it was very frustrating in this match. But uh, ESPN quality production. Uh, they had uh, quality commentators and a very, very good studio wraparound show pregame, uh, halftime, post-match with the ESPN FC crew. It was Nickel Burley, uh, Dan Thomas, and Alejandro Moreno. The big question now that comes out of this match for me, Chris, is why can't ESPN do this on a regular basis for non-internationals, for the club football that they have, whether it's Serie A or the championship. They just A lot of times they just flip games on international feed and that's it. 
Yeah, and, and and part of this might be contractual obligations too, where um, when they won the contract to to show even you know, Euro twenty twenty qualifiers as well as Euro twenty twenty, um, UEFA has them commit to certain levels of uh, broadcast in terms of. And I think this is something that you pointed out, Kartik, last week, or, or you mentioned to me privately in terms of even ESPN FC uh, during, you mean this last, that last week, some yeah. of those being yeah. on on on, uh, on actual television instead of on uh, ESPN Plus. Um, yeah, yeah. Adrian Healy, I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest with you. Um, Casey Keller, I have a lot of time for, and I thought Casey did really, really well with this one. But actually, in this match, I think I was um, actually no, no, no. The, the England Co- uh, Kosovo game was the the one I, I listened to. Adrian Healy and Casey yeah, Keller. Yeah, this one was Twelman. Um, the okay, the Germany, yeah. Netherlands. So the Germany Netherlands, I was flipping back. Yeah, and that forth. match was Keller, and I thought, yeah, just getting jumping ahead to that match. I thought Casey Keller was fantastic yeah. in his analysis, and you know. This is the thing I've noticed about Casey Keller, uh, even when he calls uh, Sounders games in MLS. If there is a defensive error, which there were a lot of in this match, both by England and Kosovo, uh, he he has a, a, an ability to analyze how the breakdown happened better than even a lot most of the British commentators. I mean, I think he's he's really good when it comes to those sorts of things. Maybe a one nil match, he may not be. Uh, although he can explain the defensive solidity, right? But he's uh, he, he he was fantastic. I agree. Yeah, he's a smart guy, and and I really prefer him in the role of of a co commentator than, than a kind of a studio analyst. But uh, I mean, he's good. He's good in both. But but I think his my preferred position for him to slot slot him in is on that co commentator position. Now, um, I was traveling, so I missed the USA-Mexico game on the Friday night, and uh, I got some reports back from it in terms of, um, oh, I think on Twitter, I think it was, where they said that, uh, I think at halftime or post-match, they were, uh, Fox, or actually during the game itself, Fox had graphics on screen uh, promoting the USA against the Uruguay game uh, that was going to be played on the Tuesday with big graphics of uh, Christian Pulisic, even though... It was announced on Friday that uh, Pulisic wouldn't wouldn't be playing. He was going back to Chelsea over the weekend. Uh, really kind of uh, lazy by uh, Fox Sports not to change out the graphic and, and put something else in ra- rather than going with the Pulisic. Uh, again, another bait and switch. But but the USA-Mexico game, Kartik, um, how did you watch it and what was the coverage like? Uh, I watched it on 2DNA and uh, did not turn Fox on. The coverage was really good wraparound coverage. Uh, the the graphics, I don't know, the 2DNA, uh, it, the 2DNA setup seems a lot fresher and a lot more uh, produced than Univision Deportes was. Hmm. Uh, now, maybe it's just the freshening up of the graphics and, and the new logos, etc. cetera, uh, but it just feels like a really good broadcast, like a really tight broadcast, and uh, Univision was always better than Fox uh, to begin with. So uh, I was really impressed with how they did this. Um, obviously, if it involves Mexico, uh, they give this sort of coverage, but then um, they did do a very good job pre-match uh, and at halftime with USA-Uruguay. Post-match, they jumped because right to Mexico-Argentina because Mexico was playing after and that's their priority. But right. uh, at least for USA-Mexico, they were really good in terms of comprehensive coverage. Uh, I also uh, want to mention in, in, in the wake of this game, again, I, I didn't watch it on Fox, uh, ESPN FC the next day just had a two-man uh, uh, studio of uh, Seb Salazar and Alejandro Moreno, and they spent a half an hour picking apart the U.S., right? So uh, that I got my fill of English language analysis and good one from from that, and we know when it comes to uh, analyzing whether it's the U.S. women or the U.S. men as a studio host, I, I think Seb Salazar has proven to be the best in the, in the business uh, if it involves U.S. soccer, either at the men's w- level or the women's level. So uh, that that was uh, actually quite a treat and, and gave me the English language analysis I needed was that ESPN FC show. Now, now Tuesday's game, uh, USA against Uruguay, this one again, again on FS1 and also on Univision. Um, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but... Um, the parts of it that I did watch and, and listen to, uh, Stu Holden, I'll give, I'll give him full credit. He was a little bit more, I guess, uh, pointed or a little bit more uh, direct in terms of his criticism about this. I guess not really criticism, but more in, in terms of uh, disappointment with this squad, uh, and in terms of the kind of how they were playing against Uruguay and Uruguay in terms of possession. Uh, I mean, just really controlling the match, and then the US was 
oftentimes uh, chasing shadows. I mean, the goal that they scored that um, was kind of a fluke goal, really, really. But but still, it, it, you mean they, they got the draw, which on paper paper is good. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised that Stu, because in the past before he's been very quiet. It's like in games where US have not cr- controlled the match. Uh, it's almost like he just doesn't say anything at all. But but, but I'm not, I'm not sure I accept a lot of the criticism now of of the men's national team that's coming because I think now we're getting agenda driven um, analysis of Burhalter and uh, the, the the fact is he's trying to implement a very you know regardless I know people say oh he's an MLS guy and his brother is the and I I get all that I didn't I I was uh, as critical as anyone of the hiring process but he's trying to implement a very European style of playing which in 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 the long term I think will benefit the U.S. Unlike Jurgen Klinsmann, who would talk about this stuff, and then when the match came, you wouldn't really see uh, the application of, of the playing principles Klinsmann talked about. The U.S., part of the U.S.'s problem on Friday was they were trying to play a very Ajax, free-flowing Dutch style, and they they just don't have the technical players to execute it. Right. So now the narrative, and I don't know if it's coming from Holden. Holden's a smart guy, so I think he's probably seeing this for what it is, right? Uh, and he's much more kind of European in his thought process. But um, the, the narrative is, oh, we should go back to playing counterattacking football the way we used to. And we would win, and, and that met the capabilities of our player pool. But the reality, Chris, is football has changed in the 10 years since the U.S. excelled at doing that under Bob Bradley and under Bruce Arena. So, or Bruce Arena's first tenure. And I think Burhalter's thought process as a manager and Ernie Stewart's as the uh, as the technical director is you're going to need to play out of the back and and, and maintain some possession to move uh, the opposition side to side to open up the spaces. So then then you can take advantage of your athleticism and pace and have guys run through the channels. I think there's too, far too little. Uh, understanding of that in the American soccer media. Again, I'm criticizing the American soccer media because this is, you know, they just don't, they don't always understand what they're watching. So even though I have been very critical of the Burhalter hiring, very critical of the way it went about, very critical of U.S. soccer, I now am gaining some sympathy for him because as a manager, again, a tactical manager, I understand what he's trying to do. Right. And it seems like the people on television and the people on Twitter, uh, the people writing articles don't. I guess there's two things to this, though, Kartik, too, because on, on paper, it makes sense. So on paper, if uh, Ernie Stewart and, and Greg Barhalter are on a whiteboard, so, OK, this is what this is the vision for the U.S. and, and playing internationally. This is how we want them to play. And, and, I, and I completely agree with that. The, the reality is, though, that, that something like that, the, the U.S. has never played like that. So that could, that, right. that could take right. ten, 10 years to implement to get to a point where right. we're comfortable, where it's a natural ability, where the U.S. players are comfortable playing that way. In previous World Cups, in previous Gold Cups, in previous tournaments, throughout our probably living memory, the U.S. has, has pretty much always been a counter-attacking team, using the the uh, physicality at times, but you, most often times in, ter- in terms of the, the endurance, the stamina. Uh, I mean, in the World Cup, in, uh, in in the World Cup when the U.S. Uh, came through and get knocked out by Belgium, and you mean that that tournament. The feedback, the kind of the analysis of the, the United States in that World Cup, everyone was saying that you mean U.S. completely were kind of one of the top the talks of the town. They were just they were just I mean the British press especially were just enthusing about how I mean this this U.S. team would never give up. They would just keep on keep on driving, keep on going. Uh, that and that and that's the challenge that we're under too. Is that uh, and again too from the broadcast and, and U.S. media is that everyone's looking for those results. They're looking for those short-term gains uh, in a system that we're looking at long-term. I guess I guess in some ways though, too, Kartik, with games coming up in, in the, the CONCACAF Nations League, games against Cuba, Canada is going to be a little bit tougher than usual, but but it should be still okay. Is there is yeah. time to implement those changes, but whether or not, my, my, I guess my biggest co- concern, my biggest complaint is that I don't I don't have the confidence that the U.S. has the players available to Berhalter that can accomplish what he's trying to do. I, I agree. And, and I think that's the point of discussion is do you uh, shelve those long-term goals for short-term reality that you don't have good technical midfielders and good technical uh, a good technical back four that can play with the ball at their feet and, and understands uh, uh, the quick passing rhythm Berhalter wants and, and then the possession-based system he's trying to implement. Uh and then you know, not worry about the long term goals because you want to qualify for this 
uh, upcoming World Cup? That's a question you and I can't answer. But that question isn't really even being posed in the media. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, the U.S. can't play this way because the, uh, uh, the U.S. has never played this way before. Burhalter needs to needs to tactically adjust. But these are friendlies, and he's trying to put in place a system. Maybe he's going to come up with that same assessment after these two matches. Hey, you know, these guys, the back four, they're not comfortable with the ball at their feet. Uh, I, but then again, he seemed very stubborn after the match, saying we lost 3-0, but we didn't play any long balls, and that's what he wants to see. Right. Um, the U.S. has typically played uh, as many long balls as England and, and Scotland traditionally did, honestly, So uh, and relied on set pieces also. So Berhalter was trying to change the playing culture, um, yeah, maybe maybe it, it's it's unrealistic, but I like the fact he's trying yeah. and don't like the fact that um, the media and those who analyze the men's national team don't seem to understand what he's doing. They don't they don't they don't get this. Maybe, Chris, because they're not watching European football the way some of us are and and, and realize this is the way the uh, the game as a whole globally has moved in the last 10 years. Uh, you watch any uh, team. A, a top team in Europe, with the exception of Atletico Madrid, although that cha- that's beginning to change this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they counter press high, they try and build out of the back, and that's there are ways to mix it up, but that's generally the, their mo. And Stewart and Verhalter want to get the U.S. playing this way, right. and I know that's not the way teams generally play in Major League Soccer or in Liga MX, uh, the leagues that a lot of these people watch, but. That is the way uh, the international game has progressed. The, the, the challenge, though, is that uh, will the United States national team, men's national team, lose the audience? And, and we'll get into that a little bit in the TV ratings. You mean, are U.S. soccer fans going to become more despondent or more disillusioned, really, is probably the best word, with this U.S. men's national team and, and st- start tuning out and not, not, not watching these games? Because... I mean, the U.S. is a very patriotic country. The U.S. as a as a nation always wants to be the best, always wants to win. And when your national team is going through a transition phase where you're, you're being, I mean, Mexico, I mean, really dominated that game. Uh, the Uruguay game was a little bit closer, but that wasn't a full strength Uruguay squad either. Um, Neither was a full squad. Uh, full it, was, it was squad. actually also I should mention that game an MLS guy that scored against the U.S., which is becoming a a pattern. Yeah. Also, with yeah. guys who play in Major League Soccer tend to be more comfortable playing against the United States than the U.S. guys from MLS are playing against the opposition. Uh, you know, Wonder Goal, and he's a guy we we've watched with LAFC this season and know how capable he is of that. But that to me was pretty significant. Again, that uh, this seems to be a recurring pattern where in Concacaf or Comdebol there are MLS less-based players that score against the United States. Exactly. One more thing before we move on to the news, and we've got quite a lot of news this week, is uh, I missed it. You caught it, but the Man City against Man United oh, yeah. uh, game in, in the, uh, the Women's League in, in the UK, and it was available uh, via streaming. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Uh, WSL this year, if you get the FA Player app, I believe it's called. Uh, there are multiple FA apps in the... Uh, in the app store and on uh, on iOS and on Android uh, and Roku Shop, all of that. Uh, it's the FA Player app, and you can watch women's football uh, or the, the FAWSL consistently on there. So, uh, caught this match. Hoping to catch a match this weekend when uh, Premier League or Championship or Bundesliga or Serie A is not playing. Uh, it, it was brilliant. The match. The, 30,000-plus, 30 30, really good energy in the crowd, enthusiastic crowd, uh, fa- fantastic wonder goal to win the match. Um, although I have to say from a Man City perspective, because I, I am a Man City supporter uh, and, and have followed the women's uh, team the last several years, I think closer than most Man City fans, I was a little concerned by how good United looked. Now, they've spent a lot of money. Right. Um, for a new team, right? Though. For a new team, but right. how good United looked against us at the Etihad. But that's a that's a football discussion. The broadcast side, very clean and crisp. I wish I could tell you who the match commentators were, uh, but I can't. I didn't. I uh, wasn't able to catch that. Also, uh, Man City's app did a really good wraparound coverage of this match, which they normally don't do for women's matches. So, tunnel cam, uh, extended highlight packages, interviews, uh, after the match uh, with, 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 uh, with the players and uh, covered it the way they would cover a, a Premier League men's match. Now, 
I'm not saying I expect this level of coverage going forward. I realize it was an international break. That was part of the strategy of the FAWSL for this weekend. Also, a big crowd at Sanford Bridge for Chelsea's women's match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it does show the appetite for women's football is there among supporters of big clubs. And, Chris, I think significantly the boredom a lot of people in the U.K. have with uh, – international breaks um they would much rather go to a women's football match live in person with good women's football especially coming off of england's uh uh performance in in the world cup uh you know the performance of a lot of clubs uh a lot of players that play you know now that the dutch have much of their team in in the wsl etc um then sit and watch uh, Euro qualifiers between whomever. Right. I mean, with the exception of Germany and Netherlands, because that's a rivalry match, and we know how intense that mm-hmm. rivalry is, one of the most in, in uh, international world football history. Uh, even matches like England-Kosovo, which were good and entertaining, don't necessarily get people excited. And that's, I think, the point of all of this. And, um, and we go through this every international break, right? One final question I have about the FA Player app is, uh, so for the FA WSL, or the, you mean the Women's League in in, uh, in England, will that have every match on there? Uh, I believe it will. Wow. I mean, every match that uh, there's capable streaming. I mean, right. I saw, um, yeah, I think it was every match no, in, the, in the first division. Um, right, 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 right. Right, yeah, yeah. And that's great uh, I think it was five or six uh, things I saw listed on there. So I, I, you don't want to investigate that further and report back next week, but I believe that's the case. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, look, the FA, to their credit, I mean, they were late to the game, but they made an incredible commitment to women's football now. So yeah, the, I think credit where credit is due. The, 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 part, the part I'm surprised with, Kartik, is that there hasn't been much fanfare about announcing that it's actually live because we, we reported it probably, what, two months ago that the FA were launching the FA player apps soon uh hopefully in time for the the new season the women's women's season but there was no announcement as far as i know i mean no fanfare so that's good to know that you were able to to use it and um even in terms of people and actually they'll have other uh content on there too not just uh the women's soccer league and i didn't have any bugs you know i had the usual uh thing where an alert came on my phone and you know the player crashed and then i uh i muted my uh, uh, do not disturb my my things. I, I, I'd love to hear if other people watch this match or watched another match on the player and had uh, some technical difficulties because I didn't. So, um, which quite frankly, given the FA's track record, I don't with technology. I wasn't sure if it would be buggy or not, and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, then again, you, you know, I have to being realistic. There were probably a lot less people watching this match um, than. True. your average men's match that streams so maybe it just didn't have the the the, the capacity or it didn't need to have the capacity that those streaming platforms do all right well let's move on to tv streaming news and uh, some interesting news to start off with yeah spurs um will have agreed with br live to uh launch a streaming partnership uh which will stream spurs tv in the united states uh, via BR Live. So pretty exciting news for Spurs fans. Uh, Spurs doing all the things that a big club does. They're trying to catch up in the U.S. market on these sorts of things with, with Liverpool and Man United and Arsenal who've had their TV uh, channels established you know, on U.S. TV, whoever it's been for many years. And then obviously uh, Man City has had the advantage of the uh, partnership with, uh, with uh, the Yankees to get uh, Man City TV in every Man City TV program, basically on in the U.S., if you get the YES, the uh, Yankees network. Yeah, so, so, so Spurs TV, just just to add to that too, so Spurs TV um, has the deal with P- uh, BR Live this season and next season. It's going to have a weekly show that's going to last approximately 160 minutes, um, which will include a delayed broadcast of the, the the team's most recent fixture from the Premier League. So usually the way it works is that, say, Spurs plays on a Saturday um, Spurs TV will have their in-house crew, in-house TV crew that will uh, do the commentating for that game. But that game usually wouldn't be available until about Tuesday. So if you wanted to go back and, and watch that game again, maybe you watched it on NBC or, or uh, I mean, Telemundo or something like that, like, like that originally. But if you wanted to watch that game again on the Tuesday with the Spurs uh, commentator and analyst, uh, you can do that on the Tuesday. Also, in terms of... Um, they're going to have uh, pre-match analysis and post-match analysis. 
uh, of uh, games from the Champions League, FA Cup and uh, League Cup, as well as manager and player interviews and behind the scenes features. So so the timing is good for Spurs. I mean, obviously, with uh, NFL games coming to their stadium, uh, a lot of hope uh, for this coming season, too, of course. And um, if you're a Spurs fan, uh, definitely check out BR Live because uh, that's yeah. the only, only place to get it. It's exclusive to BR Live. Spurs fans love to complain about Lee Dixon being on uh, Spurs telecasts on NBC, and then uh, he was not on the Spur, uh, the, the North London Derby the other uh, day on NBC, which I was disappointed by. Thought it would be a three-man booth. So uh, this is their chance if they don't like, uh, they think the commentators are biased against them to watch <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, a less biased co- or you know Spurs commentators. Right, right, right. But, but biased in the other way though. You mean like really, really pro Spurs? Right, right, uh, right. Exactly. Right. I mean, you never hear the end of Spurs fans complaining about Lee Dixon. So, yeah. uh, when in fact, I think he's been straight down the middle with them. Yeah. Um, but well, whatever, you know, we, we know the reason for that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of BR Live, um, a big announcement today on Thursday as we record this podcast is that uh, it'll make it easier than ever for fans in the United States to go to their local pub or bar or restaurant to watch the Champions League because uh, BR Live has done a deal with a company called Premium Sports. Uh, now, one of the, the chief executives at Premium Sports is the same chief executive uh, that, that used to run Satanta Sports in the U- US. And uh, what they've done is they go to different bars, pubs, you mean, again, commercial establishments, and uh, we'll show, show games um, there. So, for example, now BR Live, um, so like, take, take a typical Champions League um, match day, and there's eight games on that day. Only two of them are available on uh, English language US television, which is TNT, the early kickoff, the 12.55 Eastern time, and the 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff game. Now, the other six games are on BR Live, so if you're in a bar or a pub or whatever, uh, usually those games you miss out on. If you go to your local pub, you're not going to be able to watch them there. That is until now. So uh, bars, pubs, restaurants can now uh, sign a deal uh, with um, Bleach Report Live and Premium Sports to have a license to go ahead and broadcast those games in in the local pub or bar or restaurant. And for fans of uh, f- uh, clubs that uh, aren't always on TNT, uh, this is a great way to... Uh, Make sure that your local pub or bar has got a deal in place so you can actually go in and watch those games. Same thing for the Europa League, too. So the Europa League, uh, you know, Europa League, every single game is not... uh, None of the games are available on TNT. So this gives an opportunity for bars and pubs uh, to go ahead and broadcast those games in in the bar. And and then, you mean, you you look at the Europa League this season, you've got Rangers, you've got Celtic, you've got Man United, you've got Arsenal... You've got some very big teams that um, would not be available on TV, but they will be now... If that bar, if your local bar or pub does the deal with uh, BR Live, should should also note that this uh, is a positive sign, Chris. Uh, as we will probably get a tender from UEFA sometime around the middle of, toward the end of this season, uh, but a, a positive sign of the commitment from Turner uh, to try at least make the most of this particular contract and maybe keep going with it. Absolutely, and, and it's also another sign too of uh, how important out-of-home viewership is. Um, just as Nielsen reports more, more and more, more of this information, and other uh, other companies such as uh, Tunity Analytics, uh, which we hope to interview in, in the near future, talking about uh, they're measuring how many people are actually watching games out of home. So if they're watching whatever game it is, even Champions League, Premier League, whatever. Um, watching it at the bar or in, on a gym or in, in their office. And those numbers matter more now than, than they've ever done, especially with um, there being a large supporter-based culture in the United States that, you mean, whether you're an Arsenal supporters club or Spurs or wh- whatever club that it may be, um, going to your local pub and watching the game there. And uh, those numbers become more and more important, um, as do digital numbers too, because there's less people watching television. So hopefully in the near future we'll have that interview to learn more about out of home. But this this slots right into that. It makes it easier for soccer fans to be able to watch games uh, out of home, which will I mean there's a large number of people that, that do watch you mean Champions League in their local pub at lunchtime or uh, or take the afternoon off and and, and go watch it etc. But Kartik, um, the next news item is probably one that uh, will be particular to you, right? Because you've had experience with this one. 
Yeah, Chris, this unfortunately isn't very surprising to me. Uh, there has been speculation for a few years this would happen, but UVerse has disappeared from um, the AT&T websites, meaning no one's going to be able to sign up for it for new service. And uh, reportedly, the the service will be uh, not offered anymore uh, uh, later this year. So uh, that's uh, uh, unfortunate. UVerse has had um, for years, I think, a very, very uh, robust lineup of uh, of, of uh, soccer channels, even offering Goal TV uh, in, in English longer than uh, any other major cable system. Uh, after Goal TV was uh, dropped from uh, from systems, and uh, there was a period of time when I had Uverse where I got Goal TV uh, and, and, and was still being able to watch the Bundesliga after it had been dropped elsewhere, and obviously offered BN and offered all of the the standard soccer channels that were on cable systems. So um, that's uh, I, you're, if you're going to sign up with AT and T, you're going to have to sign up with Direct TV or uh, some other service. Yeah, lots of lots of changes from AT and T. Lots of things happening there. Uh, the next news item is is interesting because uh, Fubo TV, which is the streaming service, has uh, this week officially launched their Fubo Sports Network, which is a live, uh, free to consumer TV network for sports fans, uh, with a heavy focus on soccer. So uh, to get Fubo Sports Network, it comes with your standard base package on Fubo TV, but it's also available um, on uh, smart TVs, LG channels, uh, and also smart, uh, actually Samsung TV Plus, the Roku channel. So if you have a Roku box, you can get it through there. Uh, Zumo and uh, more distribution partners to be to be announced in the future. The interesting thing about this Kartik is that um, they've added a lot of. Um, basically original programming to this network. So, for example, they have a show called, uh, it's called Call It A Night with Julie Stewart-Binks, which is on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, which features Julie Stewart-Binks, formerly of Fox Sports. And, uh, well, let me, let me go on. Uh, the, the, the next news item, uh, the, the, the next uh, show they've got is called The Players Lounge with Kobe Jones and PJ Harrison. And uh, they also have The Cooligans, which is a uh, used to be an audio podcast, but now they also have a uh, show uh, in front of the cameras, as well as uh, Drinks with Binks, which is, of course, with uh, Julie Stewart Binks on Fridays or Friday nights, as well as much more. Um, what do you think about in terms of the original programming? Any, of, any interest of, uh, in those for you? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Julie Stewart thinks JSB. She's always been uh, partial to soccer, so um, and and hockey's. I think the other sport she's really really into. She's covered some college football, so I think that will be pretty good. Uh, Kobe Jones. We'll see how he is in kind of the light atmosphere. We've seen him on the Fernando Fury shows with Fox, and you know, I think of that what you might. I, this might be okay. And then obviously the Cooligans. I think is is a great uh, little addition, Chris. So the thing that I uh, I like is Fubo's commitment. They start started as a soccer channel or soccer streaming platform for soccer fans. Their continued commitment to the sport, even while they branched out into all kinds of other things in, in sports and entertainment. So uh, I love that. Yeah, I, I'm not impressed by this, to be honest with you. So, so the Cooligans, I mean, I think that really caters more to an MLS crowd or, or fans of Correct. MLS soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. A U.S. soccer crowd, I would say. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how, how appealing that is to to viewers or subscribers to, to Fubo who are going to Fubo for, you mean, the Be In Sports and Be In Sports Connect and all your mostly kind of uh, foreign soccer soccer access to, to that. Um, Julie Stewart-Binks, I don't know. I, it, when she first joined Fox Sports, I reached out to try to get to interview her and uh, I was told uh, basically privately that um, they didn't think that she had much of a soccer IQ that uh, at that time it would not be a good time to interview her. Um, and, and then since then, I, I know that she, she really focused a lot of her time and energy on, on learning more about um, soccer in the United States, especially, and, and doing her homework and working really, really hard um, and getting to a point where she was you know, a great silent reporter. But then she's had this, uh, this new lease of life as a comedian, as a stand-up comedian, and that I haven't seen, so I don't know if, it, if she is funny and how she is with the on-camera presence there. Um, I guess I'd have to watch it to, to, to know you mean, whether or not it's worth watching. I'm just less than impressed by Fubo's selection of original programming on this one. I, th- I thought they could have done better. Last but not least, Kartik, one news item before we move on to TV ratings. 
Yeah, not surprisingly, Chris, we've had a, a La Liga move again in the UK. We knew when they that when ITV picked them up and showed them on ITV uh, for last season, it was probably a temporary arrangement for the second half of the year. But it was great to have La Liga or any football on free-to-air television in the UK, right? Because they're just uh, – those – again, I, we have to reiterate this every other podcast it seems. But in the UK, there are no free-to-air matches from the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and – the, the, if you if you don't have a satellite system, the way you see the Premier League is watching match of the day at the end of the day. Or, unfortunately, illegal streams are part of it, too. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, La Liga is going to have its own TV channel on Sky in the U.K. Uh, by January it, with live games. This will be similar to there's a, uh, uh, a Sky Premier League channel. This will be Sky La Liga, I presume. Uh, that's exciting news uh, for those who want to see lots of wraparound coverage of Spanish football, which, by the way, uh, La Liga is the second most popular league in the U.K. It's the if, – if uh, – English fans follow a league outside uh, England. It's generally uh, the Spanish leagues. Uh, however, uh, this once again puts them behind the paywall of Sky. And I, I it's, um, I mean, I guess it's uh, six of one, half dozen of the other, right? Yeah, it is strange though for for us and and a lot of listeners, I think, uh, outside of the UK to uh, to to hear about the struggles that La Liga is having in the UK. I mean, obviously in the United States and, and even the Middle East and around the world, uh, La Liga is very accessible you know, in terms of being able to watch I mean, all the games really. And in the UK, I mean, they were on Eleven Sports I think last season, but then that deal fell you mean know, fell apart, and Eleven Sports had some pro- problems there. So then they move some of those games to ITV. But then the, but the reality of the situation is the two biggest things that hurt La Liga in the UK are, one, the blackout. So no games on uh, any, no soccer games at all uh, in the UK between uh, 3 p.m. and 5.15 uh, local time there, which cuts Correct. out some, some of the big games in La Liga when there would be, you know, Barcelona's playing or Real Madrid often plays in that time slot. And then... Um, I mean, the second thing is, is is a lot of the games in La Liga, uh, just as we in the United States say that uh, the Bundesliga, the issue of the Bundesliga in the United States is a lot of those games are played at the same time as the Premier League games, and most people are going to cho- uh, choose the Premier League over the Bundesliga. Same thing for, for England, is a lot of those games in La Liga are played at the same time uh, as the Premier League games, and the Premier League games are going to get more priority, more focus, more attention. So, yeah, it's um, challenging times for La Liga in the UK, but at least with um, Sky, at least at least those games will be televised. I mean, most of them. Or some of them, at least. Uh, all right, moving on to TV ratings. Karthik, we won't go into a lot of detail here, but there's just a huge gulf in difference for this last Friday's game between Mexico and the United States between the English-language viewership and the Spanish-language viewership. And in some ways, we, it's not fair to actually kind of... Uh, to pull those apart because someone like you, Kartik, English language speaker, preferring to watch the game on Univision because of, you mean know, whether it's production values or whether it's you mean know, better coverage, really. But the numbers, for whatever, whatever reasons, the numbers really kind of say a lot about this. And also, going back to the first segment, talking about the United States and the disillusioned, disillusioned uh, soccer fans in the U.S., they're again disillusioned with the U.S. team and will probably continue to do so as long as this long-term strategy is played out by Greg Berhalter. So the viewership numbers. All right, so 2.7 million people watched this game on Univision and uh, Tudu N.A., 2.7 million people watched that game. And then the same number, the same game on FS1, 386,000 viewers, which was less viewers than the, the, the number of people that tuned in to watch Bournemouth against Sheffield United on the opening weekend of the season that had, I think, 380, or actually 398,000 or so, something like that. Kartik, what's your take on this? Is it just that uh, fans have given up on the US men's national team or are fans tuning into Univision rather than FS1? I think it's a little of both. I mean, I, I watched it on uh, Univision to the NA, uh, and same thing with the Uruguay match, which we don't have the number for yet, but uh, I think it's also just disillusionment with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, this was a Friday night. People, I don't think, were aware of the match. It's a it's a cash-grab friendly. Uh, all kinds of things. This disillusionment with the international break. MLS, uh, who had tried the last few seasons to really respect international breaks has gone back to just playing all, um, a not a full slate of games, but 
five to six matches uh, international break weekend uh, because they've condensed the schedule, right? And now they don't have the ability to uh, – the international break and respecting it was one of the reasons the MLS playoffs took so long, right? Because uh, they were starting in October and running through uh, December because there were two international breaks in the middle of that. Um so I think there's just like even domestic soccer fans, no interest. USL plays a full slate. Um, that having been said, I think a lot of people, myself included, have just switched to Univision and to the NA for U.S. games in general. I mean, uh, even ESPN games, I'm, I might flip back and forth, but I'm always checking out Univision's coverage. Mm-hmm. It, it's an it's a disappointing. It, it, I guess I guess for U.S. soccer, U.S. soccer probably looking at those numbers would be kind of scratching their heads, going like, "What's going on here?" Because I think in many ways. I mean, the Spanish language numbers are fantastic, but in many ways, I mean, the one game that you can count on to have a large viewership uh, for a, even for a friendly would be U.S. against Mexico. But but that rivalry seems to be overplayed. I mean, U.S. against Mexico. I mean, we play we play each other more often now it seems than we've ever done. So it takes takes off the shine of, of a, a game like that. Yes, it's a friendly. Yes, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But if you can't get U.S. fans excited for USA against Mexico, there's an issue. And if the numbers on FS1 are so poor, it, I mean, what does that say about Fox's coverage? I mean, is, is there a disappointment, a disillusionment with the coverage of the U.S. men's national team? There are a lot of issues here for, I think, U.S. soccer to, to think about. And it's worrying signs, Kartik. It's, it's, I mean, there's going to be very few people, I think, really interested in USA against Cuba, or even USA against Canada in the, the Nations League, and it's going to be a long time. I mean, I, I think it's in many ways, at the end of the day, the thing that has to happen is for the U.S. Men's National Team and U.S. Soccer Federation is to get fans excited again, to get to kind of regain that trust, and that could take that could take take a decade before that happens to a point where you mean the U.S. Soccer fans can really believe in this team and believe in the federation, um, if if that ha- ever happens at all. Let's move on to the listener mailbag. Uh, quite a lot of feedback this past week. So f- first up is John Average Geek, and he's talking about uh, our complaints about the Bundesliga coverage um, on Fox, uh, FS1 and FS2 from that we talked about last last week. He says, on the Fox coverage over last weekend, it, it was technical issues. Lalas's podcast mentioned it as the computers were down, which I find interesting because all of the other coverage of sports that happened before and after the Bundesliga that weekend seemed to be fine but that's kind of strange that the computers were down and it really impacted the Bundesliga you think that they have a backup plan or something it's just amateur hour from Fox Sports uh, once again Rico Richardson says how how is what MLS do is doing a bad thing to protect their brand why would they tarnish something that isn't really part of the game why should MLS be political either way um I'll, I'll answer this yeah. real quickly. Um, the Independent Supporters Council, talk to them. Talk to supporters groups. They're the people who've really carried this league to this point. Um, and um, a lot of them were attracted to soccer for reasons maybe that a casual uh, American football fan or casual basketball fan, uh, not for reasons different than those people watching their sports. So I think it's a, it's a fundamental issue, whether you're on the left or the right, a fundamental issue of MLS not understanding their fan base, period. And uh, alienating, uh, potentially alienating, unless they fix this, which now they're going to meet with the ISC. So they might fix this. Uh, they, finally, they finally realized the alarm bells are, are so loud that they have to deal with it. Uh, not understanding the people who have bought merchandise, who have championed MLS, the people who, quite frankly, when you make criticisms of MLS, shoot back at you. Those sorts of people uh, that have grown the league, particularly since Toronto and Seattle came into the league uh, between 2007 and 2009, uh, not knowing who those fans were. So that that's what it is. It's not... Uh, I mean, if you compare it to other sports leagues or you talk about, well, on the surface, it should be politically neutral. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, actually, as a overlying concept. But it's um, a little different here because of uh, of the reason why these fans were motivated to support MLS to begin with. Next up is Nick Calvelli. He says, uh, guess how many Bundesliga ads were on during the U.S. men's national team pregame versus Mexico? That's right. Zero. I don't think I missed it. There were NFL, Major League Baseball, probably some college football, even a Liga MX quick plug. Zero on the Bundesliga. 
I'd argue that uh, the NFL, Major League Baseball, doesn't need the plug. But smarter people than me clearly decided to focus more on mostly non-soccer ads during a soccer pregame. JP says, we can all agree Fox doesn't promote their Bundesliga coverage to the best of their abilities. I never see commercials for it during non-soccer events like NBC does with the Premier League. Guarantee there they will be there, they will there will be some promotion for next week's Premier League return or this week's uh, pr- promo- Premier League return uh, to action during the Patriots Steelers ga- game on Sunday night. Would almost bet my life there'll be zero Bundesliga plugs during Fox's NFL coverage this weekend. At the same time, though. I don't see it improving if they move to ESPN+. The same concerns about lack of pre- and post-match studio analysis will be amplified, as ESPN+, would have zero, while Fox at least provides it sporadically. Even for the Serie A match of the week shown on television, there isn't really any pre-match coverage. Last week for the Roma Derby, it was preceded by SportsCenter, and the host mentioned the match next while signing off and pronounced Lazio incorrectly. Didn't notice any promotion for it during the week, during the U.S. Open, at least. Only other event I watched on their channels. I still think the Bundesliga leaving Fox will end up being a downgrade. It's an entertaining league. We can only imagine what its popularity would be if Fox consistently showed matches over the air, like NBC does once a week, and used all of its affiliated distribution channels to promote it. Monty Reed says, on the uh, African World Cup qualifying, several of the articles that I have read stated that the first round will be free on YouTube. Since FIFA took over the rights, I assume that FIFA is trying to sell the rights for the other rounds. Any word on who might be getting them? So, Monty, n- no word yet. And uh, yes, the first round will be free on YouTube and uh, I believe through FIFA.com. Um, but in terms of the later rounds, I don't believe anyone's picked those up yet. Um, and that's probably part of it too, is that they want to make those games more accessible. Um, I mean, basically, I mean through YouTube and FIFA.com, and then hoping that uh, they'll be able to sell some of those rights later on, or if not, you continue to broadcast those on YouTube and FIFA.com. Coolio Two Foots says, "Thank you for addressing the issue of bait and switch with match starting times. It's a real put off when you have to wait another twenty or more minutes before the match starts." Nicholas says, in Africa, Europe, and Asia, uh, games always start on time. Did you think MLS is? Did you, do you think that MLS not starting games on time is hurting the league to grow? I am the biggest MLS fan, but I like the game that I like bigger games that begin on time. Imagine a Premier League system is like MLS; the interest is probably can go down. So, so Nicholas, I, I think I think this is an actual. This is one of many variables, but this is one of this is one factor. I mean, it, it, it's so frustrating when a game is advertised at a certain time, and we we talked about this last week's podcast, talking about the USA against Mexico. I think it was advertised as an eight thirty kickoff, uh, well, start time basically, but the, the game didn't begin till nine oh eight, and. Um, I looked at the pregame numbers to see the pre- pregame for USA against Mexico and FS1. Uh, so with this bait and switch thing where Fox is advertising the 8.30 USA-Mexico, the 8.30 to 9 o'clock uh, broadcast had, I think, 89,000 viewers. So hardly anyone's tuning in to even watch the pre-match. Um, and I think word is getting out finally and people are kind of understanding. If, if anything, it, it's probably more likely now that soccer fans in the United States are better educated and will tune in later, uh, knowing that the broadcast is not going to start at 8.30. We'll tune in later thinking, OK, well, maybe I'll tune in a half an hour later and then catch the, the start of the game. And, that, and that's uh, that's dangerous, too, because, you mean, you mean sometimes, especially for the, the broadcasters, you mean that means that fans are coming in even later than 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 the, what, what the actual kickoff time might be? So if they come in at nine fifteen or nine twenty, thinking that's what time the game is going to start when it actually kicked off at nine oh eight, even though it wasn't advertised, they're losing viewers. So so to me, it's like okay, just be be honest, be transparent. Even if the kickoff time is nine oh eight, say okay, right, pre match starts at eight thirty. Uh, we're going to have some analysis. We're going to have some news. We're going to have some discussion. And the game kicks off at 9.08. I mean, I, I don't understand why they cannot be transparent and honest rather than using this bait-and-switch tactic, which the same thing happens for MLS games and U.S. men's national team games. It, it pisses me off. Aram, 
uh, says, uh, also known as Kochi Ball Game, says Saturday's NYCFC game against New England Revolution match was advertised as being available only on Univision and streaming on Twitter. But the Twitter stream didn't start until half hour into the game. So fans like me missed the opening goal and red card. Judging by the replies to the tweets below, I wasn't the only one upset about the stream being unavailable. If MLS can't make its games available to watch for hardcore fans, how will they ever attract a mainstream audience? Next up is Robert Thompson. Robert says, uh, just had a chance to listen to last week's podcast. I also watched uh, games on September 1st. Just, I just watched a little bit of the Burnley versus uh, Liverpool game. It was, it was too uneven. Uh, later, all of the Spurs versus Arsenal match, a sloppy game for teams with so many millionaires on the pitch. The best game of the, the day for, for excitement was Seattle against LA Galaxy. Also sloppy at times, but very exciting at the same time. Much better than the hyped North London derby. Sure, the level of play is, get, is, is generally better, uh, as it should be when teams have a shed loads of money and can vacuum up many of the world's best players. The about £1.5 billion spent during this year's transfer period is probably more than the entire payroll for Major League Soccer. With Major League Soccer, you get competition and excitement. Uh, is, 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 that, is, that, is that not what the game should be about? Look at the West table. Most of the teams are still in contention. The table for the Premier League next March will probably show the same teams at the top. My favourites, Leicester, may make the top six with Chelsea, Man United and Arsenal loaded with over, overpaid loafers. Uh, so that's his first point. And the second point, Kartik, is what's your view of the two versions of the U.S. men's national team? The first had a team against against Mexico. The first had a team mostly manned with European-based players. The second with mostly U.S.-based players. The result, a blowout and a game that should have been won if the clear handball was called and Aaron Long had not done his Harry Maguire imitation. Um, let me address that point. I... I'm actually, people consider me an ML, a lot of people unfairly judge me as an MLS hater. Uh, I, in fact, am an advocate for more MLS-based players and less European-based players in uh, the national team going forward. And I have not written the article yet at the Yanks are coming, but I'm working on it. Uh, just a lot of delays. I believe if we're ever going to implement a national playing style, it has to come through MLS. And I'd like more and more of our national team guys uh, back in MLS. Uh, guys like Pulisic are an exception. You want them at the best clubs in the world. But I'd like to have guys in our domestic league so they're actually learning and playing the same way the national team is playing. Now, that would also involve MLS coaches buying into Burhalter's philosophy, which they haven't yet. It's, 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 it's easier said than done. But I am actually an advocate that eventually 2026, I look at what Russia did in 2018, where everybody, with one exception, you know, a player who's basically Spanish anyway, uh, were back in their domestic league after they had had tons of guys in the Bundesliga, the Premier League, Serie A, wherever, um, eight to ten years earlier. That's what I'd like to see. But MLS has to buy in also. And at this point, they seem, despite their rhetoric, less concerned about developing the American player than they've ever been. So... Um, but I am actually an advocate, theoretically, of, of less European guys and more MLS-based guys in the national team. I'd like to see us go that direction, but other parties have to buy in. Quinton says, uh, great podcast. I currently subscribe to NBC Sports Gold, ESPN+, Plus, uh, Sling TV for being sports, and Fox Soccer uh, Match Pass. Although I love following all of the major leagues, my favorite is the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2. Thankfully, cover, uh, Fox covers the second division. However, the Division 2 games uh, are televised via Fox Soccer. Uh, Fox Soccer match pass are done without the commentary and no game clock or box score on the screen. This really takes, from the, takes away from the viewing experience. Do you know if Bundesliga 2 games will be included next year when the Bundesliga moves to ESPN Plus? Uh, which I can answer that question um, and say, uh, Quinton, that... Uh, if those game, if the Bundesliga moves to ESPN Plus, which looks like it's likely to happen, uh, the Bundesliga two games will move with them too. So it's going to be a whole package. So um, anyway, so so he says, uh, if so, any chance that they will include German Bundesliga three as well? I doubt it. I really, really do. Uh, finally, do you know if this move will result in an increase in the subscription fee for ESPN Plus? Today, I pay I pay five dollars a month for ESPN Plus. And twenty dollars a month for Fox Soccer Match Pass. Looking forward to saving my twenty dollars with the Bundesliga move. Keep up the great work. So we've talked about this uh, in the past, but I feel strongly that ESPN Plus is going to keep that same price point for a few years. 
they're in the, the the name of the game right now is acquiring subscribers, is pulling in people, getting people, um, getting over the obstacles and challenges that people kind of think, okay, like ah, streaming is so expensive, or it's gonna I have to subscribe to this and this and this. They're going to try to make it as easy as possible, and also offering Disney Plus and other things uh, to get get you used to using ESPN Plus and to get you to be. I mean, loving the, the service, loving the quality, all that. And then maybe in a few years to increase the price at that point. But right now they're in the acquisition game. So um, it's very likely that you will be saving $20 um, or, or more a month uh, by watching it through ESPN Plus instead of the Fox Soccer Match Pass. Which actually begs the question too about Fox Soccer Match Pass. You take the Bundesliga out of that, what's left? Which is hardly anything. Um, Ryan Hawkins says, "Great job on uh, great job with the show. From breaking the, the La Liga being sports deal to keeping me updated on the newest leagues to join uh, on ESPN Plus, you guys compile info like no one else in this American soccer media landscape. This might have flown under the radar, but the Colorado Rapids are in dispute uh, and lost carriage of the Cronky owned sports network with Dish Network, Directv, and Comcast about a week and a half ago." At the moment, there are literally uh, no ways to watch the Rapids for a vast majority of the Rapids territorial area. There are, few, there are a few outliers, small cable companies in rural areas that still have the Altitude network, but not many. I don't see the MLS TV model as too sub- sustainable, and I predict that more of these outages will happen in the future. Uh, 2022 and the new MLS TV deal can't come soon enough. Uh, as an update, Altitude exp- is exploring a potential Amazon deal. So yeah, that's it's. Uh, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like the local sports um, market in terms of the US. I'd rather have national broadcasts that I can count on. They can say, okay, hey, I mean, if it's streaming, I, I know I can say, I mean, these games are these games are on ESPN Plus. Uh, if it's nationally televised, I know that it'll be on even either Univision, one of the Fox channels, or on ES- ESPN or one of the ESPN channels. Um, and the local sports markets for soccer gets very complicated. I mean, it's it's an obstacle, it's a challenge. It actually makes it harder to watch soccer, uh, no matter what team you support, based on where you're living and blackouts and all that. It's just it's just too complicated for today's day and age, where it's easier to stream a game illeg- illegally than it is to jump through the hoops of figuring out your local TV market and which channel has it and which uh, TV provider carries altitude sports for example last but not least vincent orosco has two points um this should be interesting car take to get your take on this i have a question i'll do the first part of it i have a question for you guys about usa mexico coverage um that was on fs1 from friday in my opinion the voice of u.s soccer is taylor twelman how come we haven't heard from the voice of u.s soccer it's been over 48 hours now so vincent sent this i guess over the weekend probably on I think Sunday or Monday, um, and and my my take on this Kartik is that uh, I, I mean I don't know Taylor Twelman's Twitter feed is is I mean the, the game happened on a Friday and he's big time into NFL college football I mean any other sport other than soccer he's tweeting about it all the time and it seems less and less of his analysis or his comments are about soccer it's mostly which I. I follow Taylor Twelman not for his uh, NFL coverage or uh, basketball coverage or coverage of all these other sports. I follow him because I'm interested in his takes on soccer. And as Vincent mentioned, too, there's you know, 48 hours without really any analysis. I guess the other part of that, too, though, is that uh, Taylor you know, works for ESPN and ESPN didn't have the rights to that game. And it's uh, it was on Fox and the next game is on, is on you know, the USA-Uruguay game was on Fox, too. So... He probably wasn't as well. He was plugged in, but he probably, if if those games would have been on ESPN, I think he probably would have been more vocal in terms of his analysis. And Kartik, I'll, I'll have you answer the second part. So um, Vincent Orozco continues to say, "I have a question for you guys. I what I was at a soccer bar watching the USA against uh, Uruguay game, and I start, started a conversation with three USA fans and uh, told them, in my opinion, that Univision has better coverage of the US men's national team than Fox and ESPN does what they did not agree with. Anyway, and, and ESPN they did not agree with me. Instead, I was biased." Uh, because I was Hispanic. I then told uh, them that uh, they have a former U.S. national team player named Marcelo Balboa, who is an analyst and does really good work there. 
Uh, they had no idea that he was a former player for the U.S. men's national team and one that is in the Hall of Fame. These are fans, and if you ask them, they will tell you they're very knowledgeable about soccer and soccer coverage. Do you guys run across the same or similar fans where you are from? Yes. <laughs> That's like the shortest Absolutely. answer to, to, to I, a question I mean, ever, Kartik. No, no. I think that this is a problem with a lot of Ameri- anglicized American soccer fans who just assume anyone who's on Univision is pro-Mexico, firstly. And secondly, assume the only people who are interested in the U.S. men's national team um, are watching the game in English. So um, – I don't know what how this subculture developed. I, I don't think it was like this in the past. In fact, I think 10 years ago, people who were fans of the national team and fans of MLS tend to really embrace the fact that we had more teams on Univision and Telemundo than, than other networks. Um, it is quite weird. I mean, it's almost uh, a, a stunning thing when you think about Cello Balboa, who's one of the greats in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you'd agree with that, Chris. Yeah. I, just to think that, that there would be that level of ignorance among uh, so-called hardcore U.S. fans. Um and I've noticed it before. I, I just, it's, it's, yeah. Um, I, if you gave me time, I'd come up with some examples. I don't have it offhand, Vincent, but I have absolutely observed that, 100%. It, it's interesting, though, too, Kartik, because um, in terms of our coverage and analysis of the Spanish language uh, soccer media in the United States, too, we, we probably cover the Spanish language soccer networks uh, in English. You and I are speaking English right now, probably more than any other outlets in the United States in terms of um, even talking about what what they're covering, talking about the TV ratings, talking about how how well Liga MX is doing. Um, there are very few English language speaking uh, whether podcasts or websites that go into into that. It's it's very segregated. It's very I mean, if you like Spanish language. Uh, soccer, you know, coverage. You go to those sites that are written in Spanish language versus. So, so we're we're kind of in the, in between where we see both sides. What I find interesting, Kartik, is that I, I often hear from a lot of soccer fans uh, that watch more coverage on Spanish language uh, television that uh, that they don't like the coverage from Univision. That they think the Univision guys are there's too much. Um, I guess promos or too much advertising, and and again too for us the English language uh, kind of uh, soccer viewers. I mean, we have our own tastes and differences too. So, like, I prefer NBC's coverage of the Premier League versus what Fox had been doing in the past, and ESPN's coverage was good also in, in the past when they had the Premier League, but it was different. Um, different strokes for different folks, but it, I always find it interesting that uh, hearing. The analysis, hearing the, the the opinions from soccer fans, and saying like, "Oh yeah, I, I don't like Univision's coverage. Telemundo's is much better." Um, so, which is natural, but I always find it. I always have to kind of chuckle at that when when I hear that stuff. But yeah, definitely good points. And uh, from Vincent, it sounded like he was going to say a joke. I started a conversation with three USA fans walking into a bar. I was expecting waiting for a punchline there too. <laughs> All right, guys, you can always join the conversation with us. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. We would love to read those out on air and uh, have a discussion and answer some questions about streaming, TV coverage, you name it. Kartik, uh, before we close, um, looking at this weekend's matches, lots to choose from. Uh, do you have any uh, picks of the week? Uh, I'm actually interested in seeing Watford Arsenal. Yeah. Because I want to see Kiki Sanchez Flores, who is, I would admit, one of my favorite managers. I was talking to a colleague of mine that's an Atletico Madrid fan. She just loves him. Um, back at Watford, I, I feel sorry for Javi Gracia. I think he did a, well, a good job, but Kiki Sanchez Flores never should have been sacked in the first place. So uh, glad to have him back in the Premier League. Glad to have him back in Europe. Um, and looking forward to that match. And, and, uh, uh, see if there's a new manager bounce for them. It never uh, that's fa- on NBC, by the way. That's uh, the over-the-air yeah. match on Saturday. It, ne- it never fails, Kartik. Whenever there's an international break, if I'm a Watford manager, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm waiting for that phone call. I'm waiting for that <laughs> knock on the door. It always seems right, to happen. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah, the Pozo family loves international breaks. By the way, they've done that with Granada and Udinese also when they've sacked managers. If you don't follow those leagues, um, <laughs> they they take advantage of that two-week international break. It's all It's almost inevitable every time. Right. 
Well, my pick of the week is not on television. Uh, it is on uh, iFollow if you're into the into championship games. And I'm leaving today, Kartik, to head to South Wales to go watch Swansea City, top of the championship against Nottingham Forest on Saturday, which is going to be a 10 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Uh, Forest actually are playing really well. They've got they're on an unbeaten uh, run, and Swansea City in first place after beating Leeds United a couple of weeks ago. I'm super excited to take my wife to this one, to the Liberty, which will actually be my first game ever at the Liberty. Every time I go to Wales, either Swansea are playing away or it's during the summertime when there's no games on. So it's actually my first well, actually first opportunity to actually go inside the stadium at the Liberty. I've, I've gone outside it, gone in the club shop, all that stuff. But I'm super excited about this one and uh, looking forward to seeing a game. Actually, and the reason I'm going over Kartik is to celebrate my uh, 50th birthday. So I'm going to... God, I'm getting old. <laughs> but yeah, gonna go over. Birthday. Thank you. To you. Thank you. So I'm going to go over there and, and celebrate the 50th in style, hopefully, and hopefully come back with three points. But I'm sure in the next podcast, which will probably be out uh, on Friday, September 20th, just because I'll be flying back in on um, the 19th. Uh, hopefully I'll have some interesting stories to tell uh, in regards to that. So listeners, um, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you have a Google Home, you can tell Google to go ahead and play the World Soccer Talk podcast, and it should um, bring up the latest episode. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes and Kartik. Heading into another weekend of soccer, the international break is over. Club football has returned. Uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. <laughs> <laughs>